as Ian and Jen have both said, my name is Paul. I'm one of the site pastors of, um, uh, of Vineyard Church, and it is amazing to be with you guys this morning. I have been really excited this week um, ahead of coming up here, uh, just really encouraged by all of you. As I begin, I want to um, just say a couple of things to you as a community. The first is that you are a massive blessing and encouragement to us as a whole church, as Vineyard Church. Yes, you are part of it, but you are our North community, and uh, Ian... And safe, tell us stories about what you guys are up to and what you're doing. And we are just so blessed and encouraged. Love the way that you guys have bought into the vision. And that so many of you have just going after it relentlessly. Ian um, shared a picture uh, with us as a staff team two weeks ago, maybe, of a bunch of you in the, maybe the setup team and the kids team on your hands and knees picking up glass from one of the rooms uh, so that the kids could meet because there was an event on the night before that hadn't been properly cleaned. And I saw that. And actually, I got a little bit emotional. It doesn't take much to make me well up. But I did, I did, I got a little bit emotional because for me, in that moment, it was like, yes, these guys get it. You know, it's that moment of like, well, we're willing to get on our hands and knees and pick up tiny bits of glass so the kids can have a chance to come meet Jesus. So just wanted to really encourage you um, for that. And the, the second thing, um, as I was praying for you guys this morning, I felt the Lord uh, say, keep dreaming and that what you guys, what you're seeing now is not the culmination of your efforts. This is not all there is. This is just the beginning. And the sense that I had was that, that what you guys have done so far up here in the north, yes, okay, yes, we're one church, but what you guys have done up here in the north has been preparing the ground, has been preparing the soil, has been sowing the seeds, and that harvest time is coming. I, the song um, that many of you will know, uh, the classic, that these are the days of Elijah, we don't um, sing it much. I don't know if we've ever sung it in our church, actually. But there's an amazing line at the end of the verse as it goes into the chorus, which I won't sing. But um, it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And that was the line that I had going around my head. And I felt like that was um, what you guys have been doing, that you guys have been preparing the way of the Lord for the north, for the north communities up here. Um, and really, that we are on the precipice of seeing greater kingdom advances and greater moments of salvation up here in our local community. So just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do, just as we begin, is I want to commend Ian and Safe to you. They are just phenomenal site pastors, phenomenal leaders, phenomenal, phenomenal followers of Jesus. Uh, I get to I sit opposite Ian, um, and I've worked closely with you, I don't know, a few years now, but I've known Ian since uni. We have both grown <laughs> a lot since then. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know. But just, I just want to encourage them to you because they are really, really godly people. They love you guys deeply. They share stories about you. They talk highly of you when you're not in the room. Um, and I just wanted to encourage you to encourage them. You know, being, they carry a great weight. They carry a great burden for you guys. They care really deeply about you. And so just wanted to encourage you to keep supporting them and encouraging them. Like, we love them dearly. Uh, and, yeah, just wanted to just let you know how highly we think of your guys' site passes here up in the north. So, yes, there we go. There was a faint clap. Um, <laughs> as Ian said, today we're diving into our Kingdom Carriers series. As a church, we have a number of values that shape the way that we live and the way that we want to operate as a church. And one of them is that we would be Kingdom Carriers. And that is that we would carry the kingdom of God wherever we go. Now, over this series, our hope is that as a church and as a community, we would be compelled and equipped, both compelled and equipped, to go and carry the kingdom of God everywhere, every day, and to everyone. 
Now, uh, if you cast your minds back to the beginning of February, uh, you guys will remember if you were here, Derek Morphy, we had a guest speaker um, come and he began kind of like laying some of the groundwork for this series. He unpacked uh, this idea of the kingdom of God and what kingdom theology is. Now, if you missed that talk, I would really encourage you to go back and listen because he really gave a helpful explanation of what the kingdom of God is. Uh, and just laid a fantastic groundwork that really is the basis of our church's theology, but also is the basis of everything that we're talking about in this series. And so if you missed that talk, please go back and listen, because it is really helpful. Now, we will get really practical over this series, especially in the later parts of it. We're going to look at how we do this. But to begin with, um, over the next couple of weeks, we want to unpack some of the key ideas that we need to understand in order to be kingdom carriers. And we're going to begin that today by looking at the authority that God has given us to carry his kingdom. Let me, though, before we dive into that, just give a quick recap of some of what Derek said, just so that we're all on the same page today. Because, you know, as we talk about kingdom carriers, that's kind of an odd phrase if you're outside of the church or if you haven't used that kind of language before. Um, But really, really simply, the kingdom of God is what things would be like if God's will was done, where... What God wants to happen is what actually happens. You know, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, in that famous prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, what we're saying is that, God, we want this situation to be like what it would be like if you were in charge, if your will was being done. Now, this theology is central to us as a vineyard local church, but also the vineyard movement that we're a part of. And it's central to us understanding God's plan for humanity and how he works through his church and how he moves today. Very, very simply, in um, kind of basic terms, Jesus brought in the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago when he came to live on this earth. And then at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on the early church, he empowered them to live in a kingdom way, to bring about the kingdom of God. And ever since then, throughout church history, as the Holy Spirit falls on us, one of the things he's doing is empowering us to carry the kingdom. Now, all that being said, what does the life of a kingdom carrier look like? Now, in the more charismatic arms of the church, we can be in danger of boxing the kingdom of God into only signs and wonders. So that we go, okay, the kingdom of God, that's when we pray for people and they're healed. That's when maybe we cast out demons or we speak in tongues. Now, those things 100% are the kingdom of God. And I want to see more and more and more of them. And as we step into being kingdom carriers, we will see more of that. But that is not just what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is also where relationships are restored, where communities flourish, where businesses thrive, where the work that we put our hands to aligns with the heart of God. It's where we see compassion and mercy in the justice system. It's where the poor are cared for and lifted out of poverty. It's where the oppressed are set free. It's where we see our own insecurity and fears fade away as we step into wholeness. The kingdom of God is about complete restoration of everything, back to what God originally intended. Now that also sounds well and good, hear you say. The kingdom of God break in with Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a kingdom life. Well then why doesn't our life always look very kingdom? Last weekend, as an England fan, (laughs) the kingdom of God was not present in Wales. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> but the reality is, right, the answer to this question of why our life doesn't always look like, like the kingdom is because there are two kingdoms at war. 
We have the kingdom of God. And then we also have the kingdom of Satan or of evil or of darkness, however you want to phrase it. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verse 12, um, he says it like this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, uh, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know what? Just opening the news app on your phone or reading the paper or watching the news, it will confront you with this other kingdom. You know, we'll see stories of death and of murder, of sexual assault, of poverty, of sickness, of broken politics, of corrupt businesses. We will be clearly confronted with the other kingdom. But you know what? We don't even look, need to look that far away from ourselves. If we look at our own experiences, we will see it. Broken relationships. Maybe our kids going off the rails. Maybe losing our job, being made redundant, whatever it might be. Maybe it's even kind of more personal. Maybe it's that we can't seem to get past the destructive patterns of greed and anger that seem deep-rooted in us. Maybe we're asking questions like, well, why did my friend die? And we're being confronted all the time by the stuff that is not the kingdom of God. Now, the tension of the realities that we see is what we in the vineyard call the now and the not yet. And again, uh, I encourage you, go back and listen to Derek because he explained really helpfully how, this, how these kind of two kingdoms come about together at the same time and how we can have the kingdom of God now and how we can have it not yet. So I'm not going to dive into that today, but please go back and listen to it. Now, we live in this tension, and honestly, it is a mystery. See, sometimes when we pray for someone to be healed, the kingdom of God breaks in now and they are healed. And sometimes when we pray, they're not healed then. And, and what we're doing is we're waiting. We're saying, you know, actually, we need to wait until Jesus returns. And then, then actually the healing will come. And this is a mystery of why sometimes we pray and it happens and sometimes we pray and it doesn't. And you know what? The reality is at times that mystery is frustrating. At times it's disappointing. At times it's heartbreaking. Because, of course, like when we're praying for someone we love dearly, like we don't want them to be sick. I've had it in my own life, like praying and fasting over people to be healed. You know, my aunt to be healed of cancer. One of my dear friends to be um, healed from a horrific car accident. You know, and it didn't happen. In those moments, the mystery of the now and the not yet was utterly heartbreaking. And I just, you know, I wanted to say at this point that it is okay that the mystery is heartbreaking. And if you're frustrated and angry with the mystery, that is okay. God is big enough for our full range of emotions. And look, I don't want to minimize our pain in any way whatsoever. But what I don't want us to be is a people who allow our experience of the not yet to cloud our view of the now. Let us be a people that sit in the mystery and that go after the now, knowing that sometimes it will be the not yet, but also knowing that sometimes it will be the now. And then we'll see them now. But if we don't go after it, if we don't pray for people to be healed, we probably won't see people be healed. So let's focus not only on the not yet, but let's also not focus entirely only on the now because we have the both. Now, the problem for many of us in the Western church is that we do not realize the authority that we have been given by God to bring about the now into our world. We don't understand the authority that we have been given to bring about the kingdom of God, to change the destinies of those around us, to change the destinies of our societies, of our businesses, of our schools. We have been given this authority, the authority to break the power of darkness. 
Now, the reality is some of us have let the disappointment of the not yet rob us of our authority. Some of us, they, we doubt whether we have any authority. We're like, you know, I don't believe that's true about me. You know, and some of us, actually, we're not even aware that we should have authority. Maybe this is a new theology for us. Maybe this is a new idea that God has given us authority. You know what? The reality is, that was for me for many years of my Christian faith. I was deeply committed to Jesus, deeply committed to living a moral, well, fairly moral life. Uh, and all I wanted to do was honor Jesus. But the phrase, like, the authority given to me, the phrase being a kingdom carrier, it wasn't kind of stuff, language that I used. It wasn't a theology that I understood. It wasn't a practice that I lived out. Um, you know what? But God has taken me on a journey over the last you know, number of years of discovering this authority that he has given me, but also this authority that he has given all of us in this room. And this journey begins at the beginning. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up. We're going to open up to Genesis 1. If you don't have a Bible, um, there are free ones out um, side, please grab one before you go home today if you don't own a Bible. You can download them on the App Store as well. The verses will also come up behind me, um, so don't worry if you don't have one with you here today. We're going to start in Genesis 1. Now, this is a story many of us know of God creating the world. Um, and before we read it, I just want to very quickly acknowledge and address the spectrum of interpretation of the stories uh, of creation that we find in Genesis. Because these stories of creation are foundational to us understanding the authority that we have been given. Now, far too many of us, especially those of us if we have grown up outside of the church, um, we can very quickly write off these stories of creation that we find in Genesis because they don't match up with the science that we've learned at school. And what happens is we sit in a camp that we go over here and we say, well, the science that has, the advances of science that we have seen of, of how we have been created prove this story wrong, so I don't need to listen to it. Ultimately, it's irrelevant, it's outdated, uh, and it, it actually can't say anything to me about my creation, because we've proved it to be wrong. So that's one end of the spectrum. Now, the other end of the spectrum are those of us who, when we read this story, we're looking for an actual account of what physically took place at the beginning of the world. And what happens is the camp that we sit in over here is that we're coming at this passage and we're looking for linear science, and we take the story at face value, and then we turn the page, and we move on without thinking much more about it. Now look, however you choose to read the story, whether you're at this end of the spectrum or the other, or maybe somewhere in the middle, um, the first thing I want to say is there is space for you in our community. There are a range of interpretations, and you know what? In this moment today, I'm not that bothered where you sit. Now, I, I think there's some helpful teaching on it, and at some point I would love to dive into it more, but today it's not the most important thing. You can kind of sit wherever you like on that spectrum. But I want to give us all a word of caution for this passage, but also for the rest of passages in Scripture. However we choose to read this passage, it is Scripture. So that means that we have to trust that God ordained its words and it can say something to us today. But we also need to be aware that this story and the other stories in the Bible fall into different accounts of literature. Sorry, different categories of literature. You know, we have historical accounts, we have legal accounts, we have poetry, we have prose, letters, prophecy. Jesus himself spoke in parables. So we have to come to this passage and all of the passages in scripture, allowing them to speak to us with humility. So we're going to be like, you know what, we're going to come, we're going to be humble. However smart I think I am, I'm going to believe that maybe there's something in this that can speak to me. 
But we also need to come to the passages with wisdom and not be afraid to ask questions like, well, what did the author originally intend? Is there something in the context and the culture of that moment that might help me understand what they were trying to get across? And you know what? Wherever and however we've read it today, I believe that this passage in Genesis 1 is more subversive and stunning than many of us realize. And um, I hope that we can kind of see that wherever you land on that spectrum. So that is enough of a preamble. I just thought it was important because it is so foundational to us. But let's jump into the passage itself. So Genesis 1, we're going to start at verse 26. So up until this point, God has um, breathed creation into being. uh, And he's gone through everything. And then he gets to verse 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That was very loud. (laughs) From the beginning of creation, God made us in his image with the intention of ruling over his creation. Other translations um, use the phrase, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish, and so on. Rule, reign, govern, subdue, bring into order. This is language of great authority. Now, one of the dangers for many of us who have read this passage a number of times is that we read it and we go, yeah, yeah, great, I'm creating God's image. How amazing is that? Wonderful. And then we move on. And we miss that there are two massive things going on here, one of which is that we're made in the image of God, one of which is that we are image bearers of the king. And we're not going to really dive into that today, but that is wonderful. But the other is that God has given us authority to rule. Now, when this was written... There were lots of uh, alternative worldviews about creation. One of the more prominent ones, um, which I know that you all all know, was the Babylonian story Enuma Elish uh, about the god Marduk. Now the story here is a great example of how many people thought at that time. And it was ultimately this, that humanity was created to be slave labor, to do whatever the gods wanted. That work was beneath the gods, and that humanity was worthless and cheap and just there to do whatever the gods wanted. So it's in that context that then we read the Genesis account of creation that says that first of all, God put in a whole bunch of work and effort himself to create the world. So work isn't beneath him. Actually, it's a really, really good thing. And then he makes humanity in his image and invites them to partner with him to rule and reign over his creation. So work isn't beneath him. And actually, he wants to partner with humanity to do his work to rule, to reign, to govern, to bring into order, to bring life. This here, this passage, is what many theologians call the cultural mandate. That from the beginning, humanity was commanded to create culture, to bring life, or to put it another way in some of our language, to rewrite stories. Right from the beginning of creation, God trusts humanity with the task of ruling over his creation. From the beginning, God entrusted great authority to you and I. Now this is another mystery. God is full of mysteries. That in his sovereignty, he could do it without us. But that in his kindness, he prefers to do it with us. 
Now, as I said um, a few moments ago, this idea that we have authority was not one that I always grasped. Uh, so over the last few years, I have been trying to step out into this more and step out into partnering with God more in bringing the kingdom, in being a kingdom carrier. Now, when you read through the Gospels, you find time and time again Jesus giving the disciples authority. And often it is to heal the sick. He gives them authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. Um, and this is something that I have tried to step into. Now, I didn't have time to dive into the verses, but if you want to look them up, Matthew 10, Mark 6, Luke 9 are great places that you can find them. Now, in my life, what this looks like, and I'm not always very good at it, but is that whenever people tell me that they are sick, whether they're Christians or not, I try and offer them prayer in that moment. So I say, you know, oh, you know, you know that I'm a Christian. I believe that God heals. Would you mind if I just pray for you? Now, look, do I sometimes forget to do it? Yes. Do I sometimes bottle out? Yes. Do they always get healed? No. Do they always want to be prayed for? No. But am I beginning to step out and partner with God in bringing about the kingdom of God where there is no sickness? Yes. And have I seen, because of that, people be healed? Yes. That's really cool. Now, look, this is in no way is to big me up, because honestly, most of the time I bottle it. But it's to say that, you know what, actually, we do need to start stepping out in this stuff. And that when we're doing it together as a church, this is amazing. But this is the training ground. The goal isn't that we would all be kingdom carriers in here for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. The goal is that on a Monday morning when we're in the office or we're at the school gates or we're chatting with friends, we're walking around the park, that we see someone, that we would carry the kingdom in that moment. Now, the, the other thing is I've tried to be stepping out with prophetic words and giving people encouragements. And again, do I get it wrong? Yes. Do I go up to someone and say, I think I've got a word for you? And they're like, okay, cool, that's wrong. It's like, yeah. But you know what? I'm not called to be right. I'm called to be obedient. Some of you will know the phrase naturally supernatural. And I love the phrase and I love the heart behind it, that we are supposed to kind of become naturally supernatural people that just bring it into our everyday environment. And I love the heart behind it. But I'll be honest, for me, it is more like awkwardly supernatural. <laughs> because it is awkward. It is awkward to stop a friend, especially when they don't know Jesus, to stop a friend in the middle of their sentence and say, do you mind if I pray for you? That is a bit awkward. It's a bit awkward to encourage someone that doesn't like being encouraged. But it's worth it. And you know what? I'm happy to be awkward if it gives the chance of rewriting someone's story. And I might be wrong. And I'm, you know, they might not like it that much. They might think I'm a bit weird. But who cares? Because ultimately, Jesus defines me, not that person. And in that moment, as like maybe I give that person encouragement or maybe I offer to pray for them and they're healed, that could change their life completely. That's a, that's a risk I'm willing to make. Now, we need to remember it is not all about us. So as I say that God has given us authority, it's to partner with him. We don't have authority because we're so amazing. We have authority because he has given it to us. That we are doing it to bring his glory. We were made to be rulers. We were made to be cultural creators. So this means that you have the authority to bring about the kingdom of God, whether you are a minimum wage worker or whether you are a CEO. Whether you make coffee or you're unemployed, whether you're a student or a full-time parent or carer, maybe you at the moment have absolutely no idea what your life looks like. Wherever you are, you have the authority to carry the kingdom of God. 
Now, this isn't something that is reserved just for us pastors. It's not that you know, me as a site pastor or James and Jen as senior pastors, that we have special anointing and authority to go carry the kingdom out there. Absolutely not. Alan Scott, he is a vineyard pastor that we love. Uh, he puts it brilliantly when he says it like this. We all have the same authority as the church. We don't all have the same authority in the church, but the street cleaner has the same authority as the senior pastor as the church. So as the church, you and I, out on the streets, every day, everywhere, for everyone, we all have the same authority to rewrite stories. You have the same authority as Jen. When you're out there praying for people, how cool is that? Now look, I am aware it can feel a bit brash, maybe even a bit arrogant to say some of this stuff, but this is what scripture says. And I know it's not very British that we love to be self-deprecating. And some of us might be sitting here feeling quite uncomfortable that I'm saying such things about us. But maybe we need to realign our thinking more of what the Bible says about us than what British culture says about us. In Psalm 8, the Psalms are a book of poetry and worship. Uh, and David wrote this uh, to the Lord when he was reflecting on humanity. He says this, You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Everything under their feet. That is big stuff. So what does this look like for you? What does it look like for you tomorrow morning? What does it look like for you this afternoon to go and carry the kingdom? Is it offering to pray for the people around you? Maybe, maybe this afternoon you're going to see some of your family who don't know Jesus. Maybe they're going through a tough time. What does it look like for you to just say, hey, you know that I believe in God. And I know this might be a bit weird for you, but I believe that he could help you in this situation. Would you mind if I prayed for you now? And then praying for them. And it might be a bit awkward because what I found when I pray for non-Christians, they look you in the eye. <laughs> I don't know if you guys found this before. Like when you pray for Christians, they know what to do. They're like, yeah, I'm ready. And then you offer to pray for a non-Christian, and they're just like. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And you're like, hey, you know what? It might be helpful to close your eyes. You don't need to, but it can help you not be distracted. And they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tough, right? So it might be a bit awkward. But it's okay, because it has the chance to rewrite their story and introduce them to the God who is faithful. As we were singing about, who is faithful, who will never let us down. His love goes on and on and on and on and on. So it's like, okay, well, I'll take a bit of eye contact for that. You know what? Is it blessing someone's business this week? Is it supporting your local community? Is it speaking words of life and hope and encouragement into people in broken situations? Is it training to become a counselor and supporting those who are struggling? Is it committing to turn up on time to work? Is it being like, you know what? The Lord has called me into this workplace, and the first thing is he's called me to be really good at my job. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on time. Maybe it's that. In Matthew's Gospel, the last recorded words of Jesus are called the Great Commission. Uh, we find this in Matthew 28, so turn with me there. And here, Jesus is commissioning his disciples. So we can pick up in verse 18, so Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Many theologians say that Jesus here is mirroring 
the cultural mandate that we found in Genesis 1. And that actually the, the, gen the cultural mandate in Genesis 1 was the original Great Commission. And that Jesus is recommissioning his disciples to go. That he's reminding them of what was always intended. That we as image bearers of God would make visible the invisible God. That we would go to the ends of earth. That we would go to all people groups. That we would even go to North Cardiff to bring about the kingdom. That we would rewrite the stories of this world as we partner with the Father. Uh, now, I think it was two weeks ago that James spoke on Vision Sunday. And he introduced this language for us that we want to rewrite stories. Now, this has always been our heart as a church, but we feel especially that the, that the Lord is pushing us into this uh, in the next season. That we have been given the authority to rewrite the stories of those around us, of our nation, of our city, of our friends. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the nation of Wales, I'm desperate for it to be rewritten. I don't want our nation to be known for having the highest child rate, uh, sorry, rate of child poverty in the UK. That's not okay. I read an article published last Friday from The Independent that highlighted that the valleys, which, you know, barely a stone's throw from here, are poorer and more deprived than much of Europe. That's crazy. Now, I remember hearing that 10 years ago when I first came to Cardiff or nine years ago when I first came to Cardiff. That hasn't changed. This was only last week. They're saying the stats are still showing that the valleys are really deprived. That is a story waiting to be rewritten. And it is rewritten by us as the church, understanding the authority that God has given us to go and rewrite that story. And maybe we need to go plant a church up in the valleys. Maybe someone in this room is like, that is my heart. I'm in. Amazing. Well, come chat to us. We would love to begin that journey. But again, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to see your cities, your, your local community's story rewritten? What does it look like for you to see your, your, your co-workers, maybe your employees, or maybe your friends, your family? What does it look like to begin stepping out in rewriting their stories? Now, look, as I said earlier, there are two kingdoms at play here. We've got the mystery of the now and the not yet. That Sometimes we step out and it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And look, as I talk about rewriting stories and the authority that we've been given, I just want to caveat this with, like, it's not naive and saying that we're building towards a Christian utopia in which everything is fantastic and hunky-dory before Jesus returns. That's not what we believe. We believe, as Scripture says, that the fullness of the kingdom of God will come when Jesus returns and that that is when the fulfillment of the kingdom will take place. But, what we do have is the authority to bring that future reality of the kingdom of God into the now. That's what you and I have authority to go and bring about. Okay, so this is all well and good. We have this authority. Well, why doesn't our life look like we have much authority? Why do we not see ourselves rewriting many stories? And I'm coming into land with this. I think a big part of it for us is that we don't step into the authority that we have been given. So I have here a 10-pound note. Everyone in this room, in this moment, except the people who maybe came to Central last week, <laughs> all of you right now have the authority and permission from me to come up to the front and take it and spend it on something fun. It's got to be fun. Yeah, as Jen said, it's got to be This isn't a joke. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Amazing. Bless you. Now, do you see what just happened there? All of us 
had the same authority. All of us had permission to come and use that £10 note on something fun. But only one person stepped out and was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to suffer maybe a moment of embarrassment standing up in front of a whole room. I'm going to take what's rightfully mine. Okay, I'm going to do it. Now look, every analogy is limited, but do you see what's going on here? Do you see what, what I'm saying is that God is standing in front of all of us and he's like, hey, I've got a £10 note for you. I'd love for you to go and spend it. Would you? I give you permission, go, do, go, go spend this. Are you up for it? And most of us will sit here and go, yeah, it's cool that God's given us authority. And we're just going to look at that £10 note and be like, yeah, I've got, he's given me the authority. But we won't step out and use it. Some of us will be here and go, oh, I didn't really think he's talking about me. I was. Every single one of you. Well, obviously, not, I only had one £10 note. But any one of you could have come up and got it. All of you have been given that authority by God. He's like, I choose you. Now, some of it, I did this um, last weekend as well, so over three services. Uh, that's 30 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it, though. Outrageous generosity. <laughs> I, did, I had to go, when I was writing the talk, I had to check with Claire. I was like, is this a good enough analogy to spend 30 pounds? <laughs> so, I believe it is. Um, but a guy came up to me after the morning service, and we, he chatted to me briefly about it, and he was just like, oh, I just didn't know what the catch was. And maybe that's many of us in the room. Maybe we're sat here being like, oh, I don't know what you're going to make me do when, when I come up. Like, oh, am I then going to have to do something silly at the front in, every, in front of everyone? And we're, kind of, we're worried about the catch. Maybe for us, like, we need to be like, okay, God, I trust you. We need to have our hearts realigned with trusting the Father. So what does it look like for you to start using that 10 pounds that the Lord's given you? I just want to um, finish with this. As I said, you know, we're going to look really practically um, down the line, but today has been about laying the groundwork. So I'm just asking the question, throwing it out. What does it look like for you? But I want you to begin thinking about that. And over the coming weeks and the year beyond, we want our church to catch this. And so one of the things that we're going to do is we want to share stories of us doing this each week. As a staff team, we meet together on a Wednesday, uh, and we share stories of what God has done through us over the last seven days. And it is really inspiring, because when you hear stories, when I hear a story of Ian stepping out and praying for someone, I'm like, oh, if Ian can do it, well, maybe I can do it. And then, you know, you hear someone, I'm like, yes, I'm in. So what we want to do is we want to share stories from us. So we're committing to each Sunday share stories of us carrying the kingdom. Whilst we're in this series, that we would share a story from the last seven days. And so to do that, we need you to share your stories with us. So we would love for you to email, email us. I hope you have got a slide. Amazing. At kingdomstories at cardiffvineyard.org. With stories of you stepping out and beginning to carry the kingdom. So please, please email us in because we want to share your stories. We're going to share stories from the week, so from the seven days leading up to it and not from the Sunday service because it's not. this is the training ground. We're about doing it out. So we'd love for you to email us in. We'd love for you to talk about this in your small groups. If you're not in a small group yet, please, please, please join one. They are the, the heartbeat of our community. But maybe in your groups over the next few weeks, just begin to bring it into conversation. Okay, how is God using us? How are we stepping out? And then email us in. We want to see our city change, our friends change. We met as a, as a preaching team a few weeks before the series began, and we were just like, you know what? We desperately do not want this to be a series that we all go as a church, yeah, that's really cool, and then our lives don't change. 
We want this to be one that we go, right, you know what? Yes, I'm in. I'm going to step out. And that actually, in a few months' time, we would look back and be like, look how different our lives look. Look how many people I've prayed for. Look how many relationships have been restored, whatever it might be, because I've stepped out and we've changed. So please, please do that. Let us go and be kingdom carriers. So look, why don't we stand?